Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And good morning. Welcome. Good morning. <laughs> Teresa and Heather here. I'm Heather Caro. I'm Teresa Curley. We are your hosts this morning. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. It's been a while since we've hosted together, Heather. I know. I think that's probably by design. <laughs> Even though I'm the one who schedules everything. <laughs> okay. I will not take that personally. Okay. <laughs> no. We're broadcasting today from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Hope everybody is having a great morning. We have made it into work, but I don't know if we're going to make it home from work. We're getting a little bit of snow and ice down here and... Uh, Teresa, being from South Carolina, is not sure what she thinks of all that. Well, honestly, I was thinking this morning, um, winter is almost over. (laughs) (coughs) Okay, well, let's move on to morning prayer, shall we? Well, in the sense of, like, you can see the end, because February is, like, the real end of winter, and you have three more months of snow, but you don't think about that. You just think February is the end of winter, and going to happen anyway. My mom just walked in and is like, are you insane? So we'll just let her experience her first winter in South Dakota. Comedy show morning on Real Presence Live. (laughs) Let's begin with prayer, shall we? (laughs) All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer thee my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of thy sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, for the salvation of souls, the reparation of sins, the reunion of all Christians, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father this month. Amen. Amen. Name Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, we've got a great show lined up for you this morning, and I'm excited. Teresa and I don't get to host together very often. But it's fun when we do. So, Teresa, tell the folks a little bit about who you are in case they haven't met you before. Okay. um, My name is Teresa Curley. I already said that. (laughs) Um, But I am the Listener Relationship Coordinator for Eastern South Dakota. And I'm stationed in Sioux Falls. I live in Sioux Falls now. But I also go up to Aberdeen um, pretty regularly um, starting this year. So that's exciting. Uh, Then also Brandon and T and kind of that area. So a lot of the Sioux Falls diocese. Yeah, pretty much all of it, really. So what do you think so far? So what does a listener relationship coordinator, what does that mean? That's yeah. like, it's like, we have all these fun titles these days, and I'm always like, what does that really mean? I'm not <laughs> sure. So tell the listeners, what does that really mean? Yeah, so I do a lot of, I'm just promoting Real Presence Radio in the listener area, and just getting to know the listeners and tell them about RPR's mission and fundraise because we're 100% donor supported. Um, and so it's just really a great opportunity for the mission of RPR to go deeper into my heart and to be able to share that with other people and get to know what's on their hearts too, because yeah. that's an important part of evangelization. That's my favorite part of the LRCs is what we call them. LRCs is like there. So I'm like, 
in my office a lot of the time. And so they are my hands and feet out in the world. Like, okay, we got this going on in this diocese. We have this going on in this diocese. And so they are literally like our hands and feet of the network. And honestly, I love that because someone once told me that I have a very puppy-like personality in the sense of I get excited about things very easily. So I run over, find it, start barking very loudly and bring attention (laughs) to it. But I can't necessarily like... I don't know, chew the bone or fight the bulldogs. I'm just like, look, this is exciting. You do do your part. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, We all have our part. So, so. yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, I'm excited to have you are are really our first guest. So we're going to be just chatting, the two of us, because your history is interesting and you've had a lot of experiences and you're young. You're in your early 20s. And so I wanted to talk about one specific experience in your past, just because I think it's something that we don't get to hear a lot about. And I would like to open up the, the possibilities for other people who might be listening, mm-hmm. because I think it's a really um, cool thing that people can do. So we're going to talk about when you were a missionary. You know, I'm really excited. Yesterday when he asked me to talk about this, I was super excited because it's really one of my favorite experiences of my life. And sometimes I would talk about it so much that people would essentially tell me to shut up. (laughs) But it's really close on my heart. So Mm -hmm. I love sharing about it. But yeah, let's let's start at the very beginning. How did you even come to know about the missionaries? How did you even begin to start to join them? For sure. For sure. So I was at college up in New Hampshire. And, you know, I, the first semester, I really enjoyed it. There is a lot of good people there, but there was kind of this restlessness on my heart about, like, I was hogging an education, which doesn't even make sense, but Hmm. I would just feel like there was so much going on out in the world. And I really wanted to help people and get to know people. And so I had this idea of like, I need to go out and see what the problems are in the world, and then come back to the classroom. But I didn't really know how to enact that. And I don't know that I really would have if it hadn't been for the following semester. Um, was really difficult for me socially at the school. Um, mm. I, was it like a public school? No, it was a private Catholic college. Okay. And the um, I just wanted to be friends with everybody on campus and really yeah. get to know people. And apparently... People don't really like that in social settings, you know? I'd be invited into, like, these different groups of friends, and I would want to invite other people. And it just really wasn't... People didn't like it. It wasn't working. And so, like, February, I found myself ostracized out of a bunch of friend groups. And there was a lot more to it than that, Sure. Um, But that's really what I felt. I felt this deep loneliness and lack of being loved. Mm. And it was just a lot of pain. And so I kind of came to the conclusion. I had this experience of divine mercy in the chapel one day, and I came to the conclusion that the Lord was leading me away from that place, and I didn't know what that looked like. And I was really excited to discover what that was. So I started applying to different colleges to see if I could transfer, mm-hmm. looked into different missionary programs, and there was this one particular missionary group, the Marian Missionaries of Divine Mercy, that had started visiting the campus regularly and were leading the students in the Marian consecration and a consecration to Divine Mercy. And ironic, this is how the Lord works, at the time, I was like, ah, 
I don't need Our Lady. Our Lady's for guys or sissies. <laughs> like, I, I don't need Our Lady. I'll just go right to Jesus. And I don't need divine mercy. Like, I really like that image of the Lord as divine judge that's in the shrine in D.C. Like, that's really how the Lord had worked with me up to that point. But in this whole process of feeling lonely and unloved, I really encountered our mother's tender care for me and then also how much I needed divine mercy just because of stupid things I had done or, you know, yeah. just to be loved. Or human. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, so they were coming to the campus regularly and Holy Thursday morning, I woke up with this thought on my heart, I need to explore the married missionaries of divine mercy. And it really took me by surprise because I had avoided them every time they came to campus. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? Um, again, I didn't need Our Lady, I didn't need Divine Mercy, and I didn't want people telling me how I should praise God. Oh, you know, that interesting. Was, interesting. That's the part that's difficult to admit. It's, it's interesting <laughs> to see how humanity comes out of each one of us. Yeah. Because you know, we're all guilty of that. Like, eh, that's not for me. That's not for exactly. me. <laughs> exactly. And they came to lead the students in the Marian Consecration, like I mentioned. And so they came like 33 days before, and they're like, here's here's the book, do it. And then they showed back up December 8th and they're like, okay, even if you didn't do the preparation, you can still read the prayer. And I was up in the choir loft and I looked down, everybody else was reading the prayer. I didn't even read the prayer. Like that's just how hard my heart was and just in front of our lady. So anyway. Interesting. Yeah. So that Holy Thursday morning when I woke up with this desire or this inquiry, I guess, on my heart, um, I was like, okay, I don't know what to do with this. And that afternoon, a bunch of Marian missionaries randomly showed up on campus unannounced. And I was like, oh, okay. So I prayed with it over the Triduum and Easter week. And I'm a very sanguine personality. And so... What does that mean? Um, very... Like, I'll just get excited about things and go from one thing to another. I get affected by things very quickly. <laughs> very quickly, but it might not last a while, you sure. know? So, so um, I didn't tell anybody about it for about a week. And the fact that the desire was still there, I was like, okay, I need to really look into this. So I did. I set up a come and see for... So when you're talking about desire, and I always like to ask people who are discerning different things how it looks for them uh, internally, Mm. how did you know this was a desire? Like, was it just something that you really wanted? How can you explain what that feels like? Can you explain what that feels like? Yeah. um, Okay, so it began with a thought. And I like to say, like, thought on my heart. Okay. Because it didn't really make logical sense. You know, I didn't know oh. anything about it, but I had a lot of peace, like overwhelming peace, honestly. And it kept coming to mind? It kept coming to mind, and to the point where sometimes I would just cry, like tears would start leaking out of my face, yeah. um, just because I felt so much in light, and there was a trust. Like, I don't know anything about this place, but there's a trust that this is going to be okay. Like I need to look into it. Um, Well, that's very, you know, wise for such a young person. Cause how old were you at the time? I was 19. So to even be thinking that way is really amazing. You know, that you're discerning that much. Well, it was definitely a grace. Like, honestly, because like I said, I had no idea where to turn and the Lord kind of put that on my lap. And so I set up a come and see 
before, after the school let out in May. It was going to be a two-week come and see. I showed up on, on the property, and, you know, because of my experience at college, I had a ton of anxiety, especially about forming new friendships and meeting new people, just sure. a fear of rejection. The moment I walked on the property, there's this overwhelming peace mm. and just this feeling of being home. Mm. Um, and it's kind of funny. I think I justified it a little bit about like, okay, these people are going to love me because it's their job. They have to love me because they're missionaries. But really, I think it was just a piece that came from being where the Lord invites you to be. So I was... So explain to the, explain this to me. Um, if people are just tuning in, it, I'm Heather Carroll and, and Teresa Curley, my coworker, is here with me today. And we're kind of talking about her experience of joining a missionary and just how that works and what it looks like and what it looked like for her. Um, what's the difference between a missionary and a nun or a sister? Okay, so I guess like nuns and sisters can be missionaries too, right? It's okay. going out evangelizing or taking care of people. So it's I'm kind not sure of what the literal definition is, but sure, but yeah. it's their purpose, right? Okay. This particular community <clears throat> is full of lay missionaries, so oh. single men and women. Um, actually, not even necessarily single. Some of our leadership team were married couples, okay. um, and so basically, it's a community where single people are living together to really live out divine mercy and Marian consecration, and then go out to the streets and share it with wow. the homeless. Um, yeah. So wow. that's kind of a radical thought. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, um, I wish, I wish it wasn't so radical to be yeah. honest. Like I wish it was more normal. Like it's just what people do without yeah. even intentionally being like, okay, I'm going to go be a missionary or I'm going to, Right. Live in mission. It's just something that people do as Christians because that's what we're all called to do on some level. Right. Um, right. Beautiful. So we have to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to continue on the story. And I have, of course, I have a million oddball questions. So just get ready, Teresa, because, <laughs> you know, it's me. So, folks, you're listening to Real Presence Live. We're broadcasting today from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thank you for joining us. I'm Heather Caro. And I'm Teresa Curley. And we are your hosts. So stick with us more with Teresa's story of being a missionary right after this break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or... 
make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. I'm Teresa Curley. And we are your hosts this morning for Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us. We're broadcasting out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota at the Mustard Seed in our very fancy back room here at the Mustard Seed. Very fancy. The cookies definitely add to it. Where are the cookies? Well, they are about to be in here at the next break. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't see Secrets cookies. coming out. <laughs> cookies? Who said cookies? So we are talking with Teresa this uh, first segment here just about her um, experience joining a mission and being a missionary. And so I just wanted to dive in deeper into what that looked like. So we kind of left off with you having a bad experience at college and just really looking for something else and God kind of leading your heart to this mission. And you had said at one point that you did a look and see. What's that? Mm. Yeah, so basically I was just visiting the community for about two weeks. And they let you do that? Mm-hmm. So you yeah, just so like, if you find somebody that's interesting in a convent or a monastery or a missionary, you can just call them and say, hey, can I come visit? It Depends on the organization. Like some okay. people will just let anybody come visit and join the community. Um, sometimes, and this was the case with me, it needs to be intentional discernment. Like I had a phone interview, I emailed with my interest. So I had been in communication okay. with them beforehand saying, I'd like to discern with you guys. And okay. so they invited me to come for a come and see. And the way the program runs is like August to May or something like that. And so they were just finishing up their program year when I visited and they were having a couple people stay on for the summer, but then they'd have a new group in the fall. And they were very hesitant about letting me join because of my age. I was 19. I was leaving college to do this. And even though I didn't have any intention of going back, they didn't want them to be the cause. They wanted to make sure it was good discernment. And also, I was the youngest one in the community. So, and they also, at the time, they only had a couple women, and they were all significantly older than I was. Hmm. So, they were just unsure, you know, making sure Mm -hmm. that it was coming from the Holy Spirit. But I just begged. Like, I knew from the moment I walked in that that's where I belonged. And so I so begged. So what was the, the mission like? Is it was like a house? Is it like a campus? Yeah. So it started out with um, a historic 
bed and breakfast in Lee, Massachusetts. So they had one property. And when it began, it was just men. And so I think they had five men living in there. They had a chapel and a community room. And as the organization grew, they acquired more properties. Hmm. So there was an old restaurant right beside it. They purchased that. And so that became the main community building. We had all our meals there. There is a huge room for prayer and small groups, that sort of thing, hmm. a dining area. And then when I came on my come and see, they were fixing up an old house to make it the women's house. And so they didn't actually have a room for me when I came. And so they were like, okay, Teresa, go home, uh, discern this. You can come back for the summer. We'll see what happens the following year, but come back for the summer. We'll let you know when you have a room ready. And so <laughs> I was kind of a pain. I emailed <laughs> Michelle like every week. Or asking, persistent. So. <laughs> I don't know. Persistence is good. Yeah. I like to say I was following St. Therese, begging the Pope for permission to enter Carmel. But I may have just been annoying. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, I came back up mid-June and it finally came to the point at the end of the summer where I just sat down with Michelle and I'm like, I really feel called to be here. And she's like, okay, we were just waiting for you to confirm that. But yes, you can stay. So yeah, it was really just an experience of another experience of divine mercy for me because God had placed this desire on my heart and then he fulfilled it, which just blew my mind that he actually does that. He's actually faithful to his promises. Yeah. In the one way that at the time you were like, no, not them, not it. Yeah. Not, not, not that, not that at all. So how does a missionary like this one stay afloat with all these properties and different things going on? Um, do you have to bring in lots of money? Like you can join us if you bring $10,000. Yeah. How does that end work? This was kind of a unique factor about this organization. You didn't need to fundraise yourself, and but you also didn't receive any sort of stipend. You got room and board. And okay. so the organization was totally donor-supported. One of the ways that they did this was, so Father Michael Gately was our formator. He's written books like 33 wow. Days to Morning Glory, yeah. um, Consoling the Heart of Jesus. Might be familiar. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, what, he would, what he and the missionaries would do was they'd travel the country giving what they called um, Mercy and Mary retreats. So they'd hmm. be at a parish for like Friday night and then all day Saturday. And Father would give talks on the Marian missionary spirituality Divine Mercy, Mary, and Consecration. And we'd do book sales, accept donations, that sort of thing. Okay. And with each retreat, a couple of the missionaries would travel with him. And we'd give a testimony um, during the book signing and things. So that way people could really experience Mary missionary spirituality. And then, of course, we had monthly donors and things okay. like that. So, yeah, it was kind of a fun way to travel a country and see hmm. what other Catholics were doing in their interesting. parishes, you know? Very interesting. Uh, so the mission where you were living and working out of, where was that? That was in Lee, Massachusetts, which is right outside Stockbridge, um, which has the National Shrine of Divine Mercy. Also the Norman Rockwell Museum. <laughs> I'm a huge fan, so I have to throw that in. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just a, it's a really historic, beautiful town, New England setting, and where our properties were, you could walk to the shrine, wow. um, which is really beautiful. So tell me about the experience. What, what did you do on a daily basis? Yeah, so our week was split up into community days, work days, and ministry days. So community days was a lot of formation. 
um, and it's like small group discussion sort of thing. Work days was work and service of the community. So most of my time was in the kitchen. And then ministry days were my favorite. Um, we'd go out for the day and we would just kind of see where the Holy Spirit led us. There was a town called Pittsfield, which was 20 minute drive. It used to be a booming town. Um, General Electric was there. And when the plant closed, um, thousands and thousands of people lost their jobs Mm. and were never able to recover. So we'd go there. There was a soup kitchen where we'd go for lunch. Like we would literally get in line, grab a plate of food and sit down with whoever was at lunch that day. And we were able to develop a lot of relationships with the people at the soup kitchen. And then in the afternoon, there was an adoration chapel that sometimes we would go to and take some friends with us, or we'd go to a nursing home, or we'd just walk around the town and see what happened. Um, We had started in the summer, we started a Bible study in the park. We called it um, Peace in the Park. (laughs) So it's Bible study, but then also a slice of pizza. (laughs) Nice. Added added this incentive, you know? Yeah. Um, And then... Sometimes we'd go to Boston, which was a three-hour drive, mm-hmm. and that was my; those were my favorite days because we would arrive in Boston at like 10 a.m., and then we'd walk around the city the whole day and meet up at the car at like 8 p.m. Really? Yeah, and that was, that was really cool because that was literally just seeing where we ended up. There was no agenda other than being open. So wow. can I actually share a story about that? Yeah, how much time do we have, Eli? About five minutes. Okay, yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. So basically, I had to check with Eli first. (laughs) All right. So yeah. So basically, we would just walk around and try to form relationships and friendships with people on the street, and just give them an opportunity to hopefully encounter divine mercy through us. But then also for ourselves, like it's really easy to see Christ in the homeless because Mm. he's so vulnerable right there. Mm -hmm. And so there is this one particular day in Boston. It was a really, really hot day. It was like 104, which is hot for Boston. (laughs) Um, And I'm walking around with two other missionaries. They were new to the community. And so I kind of had this pressure that, oh, I need to make sure we have the most amazing conversation or something incredible happens, which yeah. isn't even real, you know? <laughs> it's like literally whatever the Lord wants. But I felt I had that pressure. And so we were walking around all day, and we ended up in this part of the city that I had never been. And because it was so hot, there was no one sitting around. You know, everyone was like inside the soup kitchen or the library or whatever in the AC. And I was just feeling really depressed because I'm like, oh, no. We've walked all day, and we haven't met anyone. And then we come to this part of the city where it has, I can't tell you the roads, no idea, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but basically the interstate is coming into Boston. And so we're like right beside this major highway, and there's this one man who's panhandling at the edge. And I'm like, oh, homeless, finally found somebody. (laughs) So I like run over to him, and I'm like, hello. And he didn't want to talk. He's like, hi, you know, I'm trying to make money here. And I was like, you don't want to talk? And he's like, no. (laughs) And so I was just really annoyed again. So we're walking away. And one of the other missionaries was like, hey, let's go see if you want some ice cream. I'm like, oh, great idea. And so we walk back over and we're like, hey, what's your name? And he's like, Carvel, like the ice cream. 
And I had never heard of Carvel ice cream. I didn't know that was a thing, but I was like, okay. And we were like, hey, Carvel, would you like some ice cream? And he looked at us in disbelief, and he's like, I would love some ice cream. And so we're like, okay, we'll be right back. And the convenience store was, I don't know, a mile away. So it took us a while to come back with this pint of ice cream, and it was almost melted. And the man was totally surprised that we came back, and he's like, wow, well, thanks, guys, but you know, I really need to make money for my dinner. He's like, I need $17. He's like, there's this shrimp and grits place that I really want to go to. And, you know, it's it's funny because you don't really see people spending $17 when they're living on the street. Yeah. But, you know, I get it. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just your God put in front of you at that moment. Right. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? You go sit down, eat your ice cream. I'll get your money. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. So anyway, I'm standing on the side of the road with the sign saying, I'm homeless. I need money for dinner. And the other two missionaries are down on the sidewalk having an amazing conversation with this guy. And for me, it was it was very humbling because just looking people in the eyes and they continue to drive past, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the people who would stop and give me cash, even though they knew that I wasn't homeless. Like, I felt really guilty because I'm like, I know I'm not homeless, but here I am asking you for money. Wow. So anyway, after about half an hour, Carvel came back over and he's like, wow, you've raised more money than, than I need. Let's go. I'm going to go give you a tour of the city. And he walked around with us for the rest of the day. You're kidding. Just showing us the city. And it was just really neat to see his perspective of things. And near the end of our time together, he gave us all hugs and he started crying. And he's like, you know, I'm the loneliest person in Boston. How is it that you came to me? Thank you for making this my 39th day free from crack. Wow. And it just like... Yeah, it's super humbling because um, you never know where the Lord moves you. But then also, um, it was, for me, it was experience of divine mercy because you don't know how much you're loved until you realize how much you love another person, if Mm -hmm. that that makes sense. Beautiful. Beautiful. Anyway. (laughs) Well, if you're just tuning in, I am Heather Carroll. I'm Teresa Curley. And we are your hosts this morning for Real Presence Live. We're just talking about uh, Teresa's time at working with a mission um, up in the East Coast. So we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more Real Presence Live right after this. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. In addition to eye exams for children and adults, Lumen Vision provides custom contact lens services for patients with keratoconus, severe dry eyes, and hard-to-fit prescriptions. These specialty contact lenses can be made for single vision, astigmatism, and multifocal prescriptions. For more information about Lumen Vision's contact lens services, our website is www.lumen.vision. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. 
All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. Join Real Presence Radio for a special live broadcast of the North Dakota March for Life from the steps of the state capitol in Bismarck on Friday, January 21st. Beginning at 12.30 p.m. Central, join host Monsignor Patrick Schumacher from the Diocese of Bismarck live on air on the RPR app and streaming on the RPR YouTube channel and Facebook page as we bring you speakers and a moment of silence for the more than 62 million aborted babies since 1973. Don't miss this powerful event, January 21st at 12.30 p.m. Central, only here on the RPR Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. And I'm Teresa Curley. And we are your hosts this morning for Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us. We're broadcasting today from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It is snowing out, so hope everyone is staying safe. Teresa, how are you going to get home? I don't know. I've been focusing more on making snow ice cream. I haven't done that yet this year. Okay. I usually do it once, and then I'm over it until the next year. So, Snow ice <laughs> Today cream. Today might be the day. That's a whole other discussion. <laughs> We're talking with Teresa this morning. She uh, spent some time as a missionary up in the East Coast. And so we're just talking about her time as a missionary, what it involved, how she became one, and just what it looks like. Because it's something I don't think we think of very often as an option. Mm. You know? And I, I love the fact that the mission was in the United States. Yeah. Not that I have anything against going somewhere else, obviously. But I like that the mission was at home. So talk about why the mission was the homeless in that area. Um, Simple answer is that's where the shrine was and the order that... So Father Michael Gately is a Marian father of the Immaculate Conception, and their home in the United States is up in Massachusetts. So that's really the simple answer. So they just went to their backyard. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) which is what we're asked to do. Pretty much, yeah. I love that. Um, But... I realized, like, when I was telling that story prior to the break about an encounter I had on the street, mm-hmm. I haven't really talked about why this particular mission and method of ministry, you know, because we weren't standing on the corner of Boston talking about the gospel or being open for debate. Like, I mean, we were open for debate <laughs> if yeah. people wanted to have that, but that wasn't the focus. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, especially when they were visiting the community, they didn't understand why. They didn't understand why we would take a day and just be friends with people. You know, that's really hard for people to see, and it, I totally understand. Um, but basically, it comes from a passage in the Diary of St. Faustina, where, to paraphrase, she says that at the moment of death, 
our Lord comes to every soul and offers them the graces necessary for salvation. But some souls have become so hardened in their hearts that they can't accept those graces and they just reject them. And um, one of the founding members of the missionaries, Eric Mall, he was in the NFL. He played with the Cleveland Browns and he had this encounter with our Lord and he chose to live on the streets of Cleveland for a year. And while he was there, he found that the homeless have access, at least in the U.S., the homeless have access to shelter, medicine, and food, but they don't always have access to love. The same people who would ask him for his autograph when he was playing with the Cleveland Browns would totally ignore him and not look him in the eyes. And so there is this wow. huge loneliness, which is most, like, we all have loneliness, but it's most explicit on the streets. And so basically our goal as Marian missionaries is to receive the joy of the gospel from time and adoration and accepting the Lord's mercy and then bringing it out to the streets and hoping that through our encounter with the person, they experience divine mercy. So that way at the moment of their death, they can receive those graces from our Lord because they recognize the same love in him that they encountered with us, even if it's just that's the one moment of grace. And, you know, like, wow. we don't we don't know how. What a beautiful mission. We don't. Yeah. And we won't know what the fruits are until heaven. But that is our hope and that is our purpose. And I know the Lord will bless that. Wow. Um, and kind of an experience for me was just I talked before about how when I was at college and I felt totally unlovable. Um, so I go to the missionaries and I'm expecting to change the world. You know, I have all these desires and these dreams and I'm like, oh, I can do this. I can change the world. And then I learned that it wasn't about me. Mm -hmm. And there is this quote from the book I read, which goes, if you enter into relationship with a lonely or suffering person, you will discover something else that it is you who are being healed. The broken person will reveal to you your own hurt and the hardness of your heart, but also how much you are loved. Thus, the one you came to heal becomes your healer. Wow. And that's something I encountered. Like, with the missionaries, forming those relationships on the streets and also the relationships within my community, I felt so known and so loved. And that's humbling because there were times that the only way I could truly experience love was through the consolation of someone sitting on the street and me being telling them something that, I don't know, maybe was inappropriate to say or wasn't the right thing at the time and just their humble acceptance of that and the moment of contrition where they're giving me their grace or sharing their lunch with me or something like that, that's really humbling and it's really an encounter of divine mercy because we're all that person sitting mm -hmm. on the street looking for love, you know? Wow. So... Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Anyway. <laughs> so thinking about that, you know, you're talking about there's a lot of different experiences that the mission would work on. And one of them was just walking around town mm. and meeting people. So I'm envisioning this 19-year-old Teresa who is walking around. Do they train you on what to do and what to say? Or how do you go about that? That just seems so awkward to me. Honestly, I'm going to be very vulnerable right now. I would... There's a million things I'd rather do. 
yeah. but then walk up to a complete stranger, a homeless person, and then what? Oh, well, I'll be honest with you, it is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it is awkward, and it never doesn't get awkward, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, eventually, like, with the growth of virtue, it becomes easier, but it's always awkward, you know? Um, and basically, it's through the way we were trained was just going out with people who have done this before, you know? So it's really by example and just throwing yourself into those situations, honestly. Um, and just being very vulnerable yourself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so it's kind of one of those things where we wouldn't want to show up with like, I don't know, a Marian missionary t-shirt, right? Because mm -hmm. that immediately would close people's hearts yeah. because they think they're being solicited or there's an agenda to convert them. Um, and so we wouldn't do that. We'd go as Christ incognito, like with the openness of when people ask why we're there, we're like, oh, we're here to make friends or we're visiting the city. Can you show me around that sort of thing? Like not misleading them, but it's just, you don't want to, oh yeah, I'm a missionary and I'm here to convert you <laughs> sort of thing, you know? So it's amazing what kinds of things you can talk to another soul about, honestly. So we'd go up to someone on the street and they might have a sign panhandling and we'd comment about what was on their sign. Or for me, this was an easy one because I have no internal GPS. I would ask people for directions. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. Um, we are in somewhere in Boston, near the Bay, and I'm, I'm walking there with two other missionaries, and there's this old man from Louisiana sitting on the bench, and so we start talking to him about how beautiful the water was, and I just mentioned that I can't swim, and so he starts giving me swimming lessons. He's like, okay, Teresa, what you need to do is if you don't need to swim, you need to just go out to the middle of the water sit on the bottom of the floor and hold your breath. And within 60 minutes, you'll know how to swim. <laughs> I was about to do that. <laughs> but then it's just like the vulnerability of letting him tease me. And I didn't even know I was being teased, to be honest. Um, he stopped me before I went in the water. But just like actually being able to share real experiences with people is how you lead others to Christ and how you can encounter Christ more fully because Christ is human, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, and... So did you specifically search out the homeless or was it just people in general? Yeah. So basically because the homeless are like the most explicitly lonely, I guess. Sure. That would be kind of <clears throat> not our goal, but our priority. But so many times we would end up talking to someone else and we'd also go into nursing homes um of course this was all pre-covid so it was a lot easier to go into nursing homes and visit with people um one of my best friends from my time with the missionaries was this lady named lisa who is in a nursing home and i'm trying to oh we went into the nursing home to meet someone else that we regularly went in and talked with and played cards and there was this lady who was just sitting at a table. Um, she was in a wheelchair. She was 42. And she's just staring into space, like total, totally listless. So I go over there and start talking to her. And it turned into one of the most beautiful relationships from my time in Pittsfield. And, you know, she was 
she's the kind of person that when I left the missionaries, we would still talk to each other on the phone and she'd give me dating advice, that sort of thing. And it was a genuine friendship. And so it's not like we're giving people something. It's also that we're sharing an encounter with divine mercy. Wow. That's awesome. So, um, unfortunately Lisa passed away about a year ago. Um, she died in an assisted living place, um, of COVID, but she was very, um, there was so much of a change in her life. It was really beautiful to see. Like when she passed, she was publishing poetry and writing stories and just really sharing with people the Bible. So it was just really beautiful to experience life with her is really what I can say with her. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, if you're just tuning in, I am Heather Caro. I'm Teresa Curley. And we are your hosts this morning for Real Presence Live. We're just chatting with Teresa about her experience as a missionary up in the East Coast. Um, just fascinating. I, I always have lots of questions. And so I thought, well, let's ask her all these questions on the air. Why not? <laughs> let's just put her on the spot, folks. So uh, we're going to come back with more right after this. We're going to take a quick break. More Real Presence Live coming up. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Mark Holcraft. And this is Dr. Joseph Holcraft. You know, Mark, Jesus asks 307 questions in sacred scripture. He has asked 183, of which he only answers three. What's the business with all of this questioning going on in the Bible? Well, Joe, there's a lot there, and we'll be ready to take that on. Tune in to hear about these questions and more on Awaken every second and fourth Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central here on Real Presence Radio Network. Have you ever worried about someone's salvation, especially one who died by suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Sometimes the state of their soul seems to cause us fear for their eternal fate. They die in what seems to be a hopeless state of sin and unrepentance. However, Jesus says in 1698 of the Diary of St. Faustina that what looks hopeless to us is in fact not so. He says that many times the soul illuminated by a ray of his final grace turns to him in the last moment to receive complete forgiveness of all sin and punishment, although we see no external signs of this. Wow! We can see why Jesus said that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. At the University of Mary, we offer an education for the whole of life. Our values-based, flexible, and affordable education will prepare you for success and help you become a leader in your field. Whether you want to start your degree for the first time or continue your education, whether you are a working professional or want to pursue school full-time, join us for an education that will help you make a positive impact in our community. Discover the Mary difference. Umary.edu. That's umary.edu. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. 
And welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. And I'm Teresa Curley. And we're your hosts this morning for Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us. It's a beautiful Friday. It is. Friday. Especially if you like snow and slush. Yep. It's just winter, you know. <laughs> That's what we get. But we're just talking with Teresa this morning about her experience as a missionary um, up in the East Coast. Um, she's experiencing... Her first South Dakota winter, not your first winter, but your first South Dakota winter. It's the only winter that gave me stitches before it was officially winter. So that (laughs) says something. (laughs) Yes, it did. (laughs) Yep, it is. So we're just uh, chatting and I'm asking her a million and one questions and she's being gracious enough to answer all of the questions thus far. Thus far. Thus far. We'll see what happens. No, I'm really glad because this was... Really what formed my heart was Because well, I'm like, do you think you could talk so. on that? And she's like, I could talk on it for hours. And I'm like, so yeah, no, you're going to get tired of me. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem here is we're going to leave here. And I'm going to continue talking about it for a couple of weeks because now it's fresh on my mind. <laughs> yeah. I love it, though. So. I love it. So you were 19 when you joined the mission um, and you had a lot of great experiences with the mission. Um, how did it change you spiritually? Mm. Well, first of all, it introduced me to divine mercy in a way like before I thought it was a devotion that, you know, you can choose to follow or not, you know, um, really this taught me that divine mercy is the heart of the gospel. Mm. You know, like our Lord didn't come to condemn, but he came to save and to show us his mercy. And so that really transformed my whole view of Catholicism and the Gospels. Wow. You know, because you grew up Catholic in a very Catholic family. And so this, did this experience help make Catholicism your own? It really did. And it made it come more alive for me because I was able to begin to experience seeing Christ's heart as a human. You know, he's both divine and man, Mm -hmm. but to be able to really encounter his human heart um, was really transformative for me. And then also, we began each morning with our Marian consecration prayer. And so I was really able to build on my relationship with Mary, or rather, like, it was pretty much non-existent beforehand. And so she really became my mother through what I learned about her and how I encountered her at the missionaries. Wow. So, yeah, it just radically, radically changed my heart. So how did it radically change how you view the world? That's a tough question because, like, as you say that, I feel convicted about, like, okay, you say that it radically changes your view on the world, but if you don't live that out, does it really change your view of the world, you know? Like, you can see something one way, but are you actually living it? And if you're not, you're a hypocrite. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Hmm. What do you ask that question? I'm like, am I? <laughs> so that's a really convicting question. Interesting. But um, really, it's like so easy to judge other people mm. and for anything, right? Like, and I experienced yeah. this pretty profoundly recently. Like I had, had um, a relation, uh, situation with someone that I was just really struggling with things that were said and done, and I took everything personally. And then I had this opportunity to experience them in a way that they were showing me what was really on their heart and what they were suffering from. Hmm. And that was humbling because I was like, this is how Jesus views the person, and this is how I need to view them, and I've been failing in that. And here Hmm. I am just being angry at everything that I think they say and they do against me. 
And that's not really what it is. And this person is so full of love and desires. And I completely misread that. So, and honestly, it gives me hope for my salvation. Right. (laughs) Because I need to, yeah, work on the things that are holding me from loving God more. But then also trust that his mercy is bigger than all that. And his grace is made perfect in my weakness. So it really, it brings me a lot of joy because I know that there's hope, you know? Right. We all need that hope. Absolutely. What a beautiful message. Just, yeah, because we hear it. You never know what somebody's going through or what you should walk a mile in their shoes. You know, all these things that we talk about and talk about, but what are we doing about it. Yeah. Are you practicing it? Because that's it. We're always practicing. We're practicing Catholics. (laughs) You know what I mean? We're not perfection at all. We're continually trying to grow and practice, practice, practice. So I think that's beautiful that even though I asked how that changed you, your vision of the world, it still changed your vision of the world. Yeah. Because you do look at people different. Now that you've had this experience with the homeless. Or I try to. <laughs> try it's to. <laughs> definitely something Practicing. that... Practicing. Yeah, exactly. Um, one way that a priest described it to me was he was saying, so your heart is a muscle and it only has so much capacity for love. So like the lady who has five kids and is loving her family and taking care of her husband and going to mass, her heart is full. But it's a certain size. And so the lady who's doing all that, but then also has a heart for the poor or is praying for the church and our priests, her heart gets bigger and her capacity for love is bigger. Mm. So when she goes to heaven, the mom with just taking care of her kids, her heart will be full and she'll be fully happy. But if she exercises her heart and is taking in the whole world, then she'll have a world-sized heart. Wow. So just like the constant question of like, do I want a thimble-sized heart? Or do I want a heart as vast as the universe, you know? Because the Lord will fill that and will make it totally abundant of grace. Wow. I love that vision. I love that. Yeah. Keep exercising. I can exercise that way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that way you don't even need to necessarily leave your room, you know, just praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet on behalf of the world. Right. So let's dive into the other question. We obviously know you're no longer with that mission because you're now here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, working for Real Presence Radio. Um, How did you leave? Why did you leave? Do you mind talking about that? It was a boy. Really? (laughs) Yeah, it was actually. Um, (laughs) I'm shocked. (laughs) Um, You couldn't tell by my... No, it's, it's, it's funny because on the one hand, it's like, yeah, you don't... Anyway. Yeah, we're not going to get into that. Uh, we don't have time to get into that. But um, yeah, basically, I felt the Lord was calling me to enter into relationship with sure. someone. And so, you know, I made plans to leave the community. Everything was in place. And then two weeks before I left, um, that relationship ended. And oh, wow. I was like totally devastated, you know. And now you're like, now what? Yeah. And they offered for me to stay with the community at that point. But I had already checked out. And I was like really heartbroken sure. and I felt like I had been rejected by the Lord, you know, which is oh, wow. like, totally hypocritical because here I go from having two years of daily encounters with the love of Christ and one bad thing happens and I am angry. Aren't at we God. that fickle though? Yeah. We are so fickle. Yeah. It's really humbling and reminds me of my littleness, right? Right. Um, wow. And so honestly, it, like looking back, that was the Lord 
that was an easy way for the Lord to lead me out of that community because sure, sure. it wasn't my vocation to stay there. And I didn't see it at the time, but the Lord is actually very gentle. Well, it was your vocation for two years. It was. Because I think they can, you know, our vocations and purpose can change. Yeah. You know, maybe not if you're, you know, committed to a lifelong of marriage or whatever, but like I feel, feel like our spirituality can morph and change and fee- and serve what we're doing today. You know, like, I hope I'm not on the radio in 50 years. You know, <laughs> so my my purpose in life is going to change and, you know, whatever. And this was God's way of getting you to the next step. So that's very interesting. Absolutely. And it's really, like it's a lesson I'm still learning, but not to put limits on the Lord. Mm. Because I thought I was with the missionaries for two years because I was going <clears> to <throat> be there for the rest of my life. Oh. And really... That's just a very small part of my life, which continues to bear fruit in my life. Yeah, it does. But that wasn't why I was there, you know? It was to be sent out. Um, And you're still unwrapping that gift. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. So how long has it been since you you were there? I left in December 2019. Okay. So. And God just keeps pulling us along these weird paths. Here you you are, a girl from South Carolina who ended up in the East Coast in a mission and then out to Wyoming and now to South Dakota, (laughs) which is the best state, by the way. um, It is pretty cool. (laughs) Unexpectedly cool. (laughs) I'm partial. (laughs) So any last thoughts? If somebody is sitting here listening to this and it sounds inspiring to them and they might like, I want to try something like that. Just, you know, I'm fresh out of college or I'm just out of high school. What would you suggest to them? What would, where do you start? First of all, I'd start in prayer. You know, like really ask the Lord to reveal to you the desires on your own heart. Um, we can put, I think we can put too much emphasis sometimes on like, Lord, what do you want me to do? But really he gave us free will. And hmm. as long as that's properly formed, like with the right intentions, look at the desires on your heart. What do you want to do? Because he put those there. And then second actually do something (laughs) like get out of the chapel and look for opportunities. You'd be surprised at how many there actually are that you don't necessarily hear about. Um, Google search is actually really good is how I found real presence radio. Yeah. Um, So yeah, do a Google search for Catholic missionary communities and just see what happens. Like you never know where the Lord will take you and be open and be open. I love it. I love it. Get out of the chapel and go do something. Yes. I love that. Yes. But you have to go to the chapel. Yeah. I love that part because it's like, you have to, anyway. Yeah. You just said it really Another well. conversation. We need to talk I know. About <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I can't dive into that because <laughs> we don't have enough time. We've only got about a minute left. <laughs> but um, yeah, just encouraging to hear um, your journey thus far. Um, we didn't cover everything, but at least, you know, your two years with the missionaries um, and how that has really changed who you are today. And thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Thanks so much for letting me talk about it. Yeah. I love that stuff. So it won't be the last we hear from you, I'm sure. (laughs) So we'll be right back after the break. (laughs) (laughs) But we won't be talking with me. (laughs) Yeah. After the break, we're going to be talking with Megan Kelly from St. Thomas More Catholic School System in Brookings, South Dakota. And then Sean Hansen, who's going to be talking about a young adult group event that is happening here in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. So, more Real Presence Live right after this break. Mm-hmm. 